0: Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together, we can be Hopefully Sustainable. Hello, hello everybody! Welcome back to season two of Hopefully Sustainable. I'm super pumped for this new season. We are going to be talking to so many amazing people and just really diving into a lot of new topics throughout this new year. I know that we are all very happy that 2020 is done and gone and in the past, but I just want to take a second to say that this past week was a lot for everybody to take in and somehow the first week of 2021 seemed to be even more crazy than the year 2020 was. I know that we all saw a lot of hate and a lot of negativity over the past few days so I just want to remind everyone that we still have to have hope and to just check in with all of the people around you and let everyone know that we're all in this together and to just have a lot of love for everyone around you. I'm really excited for today's episode. It is a really great episode to kick off the new season and the new year. I am speaking with Stephanie Safarian, the host of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast and author of upcoming book Sustainable Minimalism. As we start a new year, I know that a lot of people come up with resolutions or goals or even intentions for the new year, and a lot of times those include cleaning out all of the rooms in our house and getting rid of things that we don't think we need anymore. What Stephanie is going to teach us about is how to implement minimalism into our lives, but not only minimalism, sustainable minimalism. She is going to talk about how when we have all of this stuff that we want to get rid of, how we can get rid of that stuff in a sustainable way and how minimalism doesn't only apply to our things, but also to our food and to our schedules as well. I just think this is a really great episode for the new year and everyone can kind of gain some good perspective on their resolutions. In addition to that, she is also going to talk about how minimalism can have an impact, a positive impact, on our mental health. In past episodes, we have talked about eco-anxiety, and in this episode, it's a great connection because she is going to talk about how minimalism can reduce or help combat our eco-anxiety. I am really looking forward to season two. So thank you to everyone who is listening and joining along, whether this is your first episode or you've been following along since season one. Thank you for being here. Just two quick reminders. If you are on Instagram, you can find the podcast on Instagram at hopefully sustainable pod. I will be posting lots of great content related to each of the episodes that we have coming up. And also for the second reminder, if you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review of the podcast. It is such a great way to let other people hear about the podcast, and it's a great way to show your support. So let's kick off season two. Here we go. Hi Stephanie. I am so honored that you are on my podcast today. I would love for you to introduce yourself to all of the listeners. Well,
1: Jacob, thank you so much for having me on. I'm honored to be on. My name is Stephanie Safarian. I am the host of the Sustainable Minimalist podcast and the soon-to-be author of a book by the same name, Sustainable Minimalism.
0: Well, you have definitely been busy in 2020, (laughs) so I am really excited to get to all of that you have been working on. But first, I just always like to ask people, when did you become interested in sustainability?
1: That's a great question. I would say I have always been a little bit more eco-friendly than most. Growing up, I would always follow my mom around the house and shut the lights off and I had a lot of anxiety over how much gas we were guzzling when we took a long car ride. But I never it was always just anxiety, right? Like I never really did anything about it until I became a mother. Uh, That was a huge turning point in my life. And I actually really leaned into my eco-friendliness through minimalism. So I'm all about sustainable minimalism. And the reason for that is because minimalism was my entry, entry point. I had a baby girl. She was, I don't know, maybe six months, 10 months. And I just felt so overwhelmed by all her stuff, her hundreds of dresses that she never wore and if she did <laughs> wore, she wore them for 5 seconds and then ruined them, all her toys. We were my husband and I and our baby daughter, we were living in a 850 square foot apartment at the time, so organizing the baby stuff, keeping it clean, uh, it took a lot of my free time and I didn't have much free time as a new mother. And so I for found minimalism as a means of making my life easier and better. Because if I had less stuff, it stood to reason that I then also would have more time. And that was absolutely true. That uh, that happened. <laughs> I decluttered my daughter's stuff first. Um, and my life, the quality of my life really improved quite fast. But the sustainability aspect came in shortly after as I was standing over (laughs) piles and piles of first my daughter's stuff, and then my own stuff that I didn't need, didn't use, shouldn't have bought. And it was all perfectly good stuff, but I had this moment of reckoning where I realized, where is this all gonna go? (laughs) I mean, I could donate it, I could pass it along to somebody, I could sell it. But at the end of the day, All this stuff was excess that was going to go to a landfill. And so I think back to that moment often because it was one of those life moments that really did feel as though a light bulb went off. (laughs) And um, I started down my journey of not just minimalism, but minimizing and decluttering sustainably.
0: Um, So that's a really long answer to your question. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that brings up a, a question that I had. Could you talk about what minimalism means to you, but what specifically sustainable minimalism is? Yeah,
1: so minimalism is about removing whatever is unnecessary. Oftentimes when the minimalism conversation starts, it has to do with physical stuff and For most of us, that's where it starts. We're overwhelmed, we're tired, we're sick of putting our stuff away and our kids' stuff away. So it starts with stuff, but minimalism is more aptly applied to anything that's not serving you, anything that's not improving the quality of your life. So a big one for me is the schedule. What is on my schedule that's just filler, that's not bringing me joy? (laughs) Apply minimalism to it, right? Like your diet what is not serving you? What are you constantly eating that's not serving you, or in my case, drinking? (laughs) Um, So that's minimalism to me. Sustainable minimalism, and the reason that I started a podcast named Sustainable Minimalism was because four years ago, when I found myself interested in minimalism, there was nobody talking at the time about like, what do you do with all this stuff in a way that doesn't harm the planet? And donating would be an afterthought. It would be like a asterisk in, you know, one of the big influencers book. It would be mentioned, but then there was the question of, okay, well, how? I have a piano. (laughs) How do I declutter it responsibly? Or any, I mean, anything, right? It's one thing to say you should donate it, but then there's another thing. It's a whole nother thing to say, well, here's how to do it. Here's where you should contact. And so um, my platform started out as, okay, I'm decluttering my space. I'm decluttering my stuff. I'm embracing minimalism. These are my successes, my failures. This is a resource I've found to donate your old trumpet. Um, In the early days, that's what the Sustainable Minimalist podcast was all about.
0: I think that's a really great point because even when i go visit my parents in their neighborhood i see so many perfectly valuable things sitting at the curb and i always get so frustrated because they're just leaving them there for the trash people to come pick up rather than donating so i think there is still that barrier of people not exactly knowing what to do with stuff or maybe they just don't want to deal with the inconvenience of actually having to donate it. Do you have advice for people on, or what have you learned about how to donate all this stuff that you're finding doesn't serve you anymore?
1: So my best piece of advice without knowing exactly what the thing is, uh, to, to be donated or to be sold, um, because there are different resources for different things, obviously like old tennis shoes (laughs) is different than your kids on trumpet mm-hmm. um but my best advice across the board is if you are decluttering your basement or starting on a path to minimalism um you really need to know at the outset and perhaps even schedule it on your calendar that responsibly discarding of stuff takes a lot of time and work so a lot of time people a lot of times people come to decluttering as like the last step in their journey. Like they're so fed up with their stuff, they just want it gone. Not realizing that actually getting it gone in an environmentally friendly way, <laughs> that might take another weekend. So if you're uh, setting aside one weekend to declutter your garage, you should also then set apart the other, the next weekend to do something with the stuff. Because if you don't know that at the outset, it's human nature, I think, to just throw it all in the trash can, even if it's perfectly good stuff that somebody else could use.
0: That's really great advice. You mentioned how you can apply minimalism to your schedule, your diet. And I think that's a really great point because I feel like a lot of times when I hear about minimalism, it's mostly just related to the things that you own and not necessarily your schedule or your meals, like you mentioned. What are some ways that people can implement minimalism into their life, into their lifestyles? So the first step
1: is to just question everything. I feel as though life moves fast and we want to keep up with the Joneses and we have fear of missing out. And so it's incredibly common to live um, an, an unconscious maybe a better word would be an unintentional existence, just, you know, (laughs) doing what we think we're supposed to be doing, buying what we think we're supposed to own at this stage in life, you know, the boat, the second home, whatever it is, the first home. Um, But really just asking yourself, okay, does that thing or does this obligation, does it light me up? Is it in tune with me? That would, I think, be the first step is to just get, in the habit of questioning the second habit that I always recommend to everybody because I did it and it made a huge difference on the way I look at consumerism is to go on a 30 day or one month shopping ban where you for 30 days, it's just 30 days. You buy nothing that is not an essential. So you're still going to pay your rent or your mortgage. You're still going to buy food. You might not eat out. You, but you will be going to the grocery store. <laughs> uh, you're still going to pay your bills, but you're not going to at eight o'clock when you had a bad day head to you know your favorite sto- online store and purchase, right? You're not going to necessarily buy anything frivolous that isn't a necessity. And I am a huge advocate of shopping bans because it, you you know we all think we know wants versus needs. Um, But it's a really good reminder of the distinction between a true want and a true need. And because it's only 30 days, I feel like it's extremely accessible for most people.
0: I think that's a really great challenge for listeners, especially as we start a new year and everyone's coming up with their goals for the new year or their resolutions. That's a really great challenge and way to really take a look at how you can start to implement minimalism into your life. One of the previous episodes that I had on the podcast was with Laura Durenberger and she speaks a lot about eco-anxiety and she also is a big advocate for minimalism because she believes that it can really help with eco-anxiety. So could you talk about the connection between decluttering your things and how that relates to your mental health?
1: Yeah, great question. And I should just say I love Laura. She's been, she's the only guest who's been on three times. Shout out. Hey, Laura, (laughs) miss you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, on a personal level, I found that minimalism was a really powerful way of improving my mental health and specifically decreasing my anxiety. Um, It's not a wonder lifestyle, it doesn't fix all the things. However, traditionally, and unfortunately, women, even in 2021, um, still bear the brunt of housework and cooking and cleaning in most heterosexual relationships. And I feel as though in my own household, in my own life, without ever really thinking I was falling into that quote, I'm doing air quotes f- female or feminine role, I just fell into it. And so minimalism really gave me some space to <laughs> um, question and some space to not always be a slave to the laundry or a slave to the organization. Uh, so I'm never I'm I'm not even looking back at <laughs> before I found minimalism because it has really just been that transformative for me.
0: Wow. You mentioned that when you had your daughter, that kind of kick-started your journey towards minimalism and sustainability. How has being a mom shaped your sustainability journey? Well
1: I now am extremely fearful
0: <laughs> for
1: my children's future. So on the one hand um becoming a mother has really made me scared because my children are six and three and I, I'm thinking okay well when they graduate high school what's the planet gonna look like when they get married is you know is Boston gonna be I live in Boston is Boston gonna be underwater um so on the one hand it's been a anxiety provoking experience becoming a mother but on the other hand it has given me a reason to fight. So I consider my podcast and my book, I consider them me fighting back, me bringing people into the fold, me doing absolutely everything I can as an individual to ensure that the planet is inhabitable for my children and yours and everybody else's.
0: I know that's a genuine concern that I hear from a lot of people around my age who are starting to consider not even having families because they're concerned for what the state of the planet is going to look like. So I I know a lot of listeners can probably relate to that. How do you talk to your kids? I know they're pretty young, but do you talk to them about issues surrounding climate change or how do you even introduce them to the different ways that you're being sustainable in your household and get them involved in those ways to fight back like you mentioned? So
1: I don't talk to them about climate change at all. (laughs) Um, I just think they're too young. I don't want to put that on them at ages six and three. However, I do my absolute darndest and my husband does as well to um, foster habits that I hope that they will take with them <laughs> as you know they grow and as they start households of their own. Um, from birth, my daughters have been vegetarian and my daughter came home the other day And she said that her teacher was talking about how much she likes chicken. And my daughter said, yuck. And the teacher said, don't (laughs) yuck other people's yums. And so like they're always listening and they're always um, absorbing the values of the home. Same with composting. I'm so proud of my six-year-old. She's finally figured out what is compostable, what is recyclable, what is just trash. It took six years, but we're there. You know.
0: <laughs> I you know, feel like, like she's ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs>
1: A lot of adults, right? Comp- composting is confusing, right? Yeah. A lot of adults don't understand. But but you know, like we talk about why it's important not to waste. We don't wait, you know, why it's important not to waste food or water or you know, um, these are all just habits that from day one parents have the power to instill.
0: I think that's so true because I know that my family has recycled since I was very little and so I think that definitely contributed to my passion for sustainability later in life and just growing up in the outdoors. So I think that's amazing that you're already instilling so many of those values in your kids and it sounds like they're already little activists, so that gives me a lot of hope for the future. Well, thank you. I'll
1: I'll report back when they're 13 and they hate me. And doing the opposite of what I want them to do, but
0: we'll see. <laughs> what advice do you have for other parents out there who may be listening on how they can try and teach these habits to their kids? Keep it upbeat. Keep
1: it fun. Um, lead with enthusiasm. My kids love games. They love competing against each other. So if you can somehow make it into a game, like it, and it doesn't have to be serious. It can be using less water in the bathtub than you did the time before the bath before, just use a washable crayon, you know, like bring everybody into the fold and meet them where they're at. So incorporating sustainability into a 3 year old's life might be let's go outside and find 6 pine trees right it's going to look very different for a 13 year old where it may be more self-guided and more interest based but um i think regardless of the age regardless of the interest level the importance lies in just continuing to do it Day after day. I think that's really important.
0: Well, you are the host of a podcast as well, and we are doing a podcast swap, which is really exciting. I'm interested, what made you decide that you wanted to start a podcast and that that was the medium you wanted to use to share all of the knowledge that you were finding out on your sustainability journey? Okay, well, I'm going to be
1: completely 100% honest with you. I actually started as a blog and I still have the blog by the way um I've always loved to write uh before having children I was a English language arts teacher so writing has always just been really a big part of my life and so I'm starting this new journey as a mother as a minimalist as a sustainable minimalist I'm going to write about it and I worked really hard on my blog but nobody was reading it nobody this was like 2017 and I you know, just had a moment where I was like, okay, I'm like 10 years late to the blogging game, (laughs) right? Like, no, the the blogs that are doing well are continuing to do well. There's no new blogs coming into the blogging space, but what's really cool right now, podcasts. So I just like started a podcast. I had, I'm not, or I never was like in love with the medium but I am now. I'm so in love with the medium. I love talking to strangers. It's just, (laughs) it's lights me up. Um, I love how intimate it can be and how I can really connect with the people on the other side of not only the microphone, but the people who are listening to me. It's an awesome, awesome medium. And I couldn't imagine not podcasting three years later
0: what can listeners who haven't heard your podcast episodes before what can they expect to hear when they listen to the different episodes of your podcast so i cover three maybe four topics
1: from all angles one is sustainability one is minimalism another or minimalism and decluttering and organization and the other is conscious consumerism which i feel like is a really big Point and if you have minimalism without conscious consumerism, I feel personally that you're missing the point, right? Because you can unconsciously buy whatever your funds allow you to buy, (laughs) but if you're not conscious and intentional in those purchases, not only are you just on a hamster wheel of buying and purging, buying and purging, but you're also harming our shared planet unnecessarily because um there's so many resources (laughs) non-renewable resources i should say that goes into the manufacturing of these things that you may not have needed in the first place so i feel i as though i cover issues surrounding sustainability and i try and i try and go at it as the teacher in me used to go into things like there's a lesson this is what we're talking about today this is what i hope you get from it and i try to make it fun so sustainability, minimalism, and decluttering, and conscious consumerism.
0: Well, I find all of the episodes to be extremely informative and educational, and I'm always learning something new when I listen to them. So I definitely recommend for everyone to go check it out. Thank
1: you. Thank you for saying that.
0: (laughs) So you are taking your passion for sustainability and your passion for writing, and you wrote a book. So in the year when a lot of people were not productive, You have been hosting a podcast, you've written a book, so you are really killing the game. (laughs) Can you tell us what your book is about and what was the process of writing a book like for you? Well,
1: I should back up and I should say that I'm not, I may not actually be killing it and anything, but (laughs) the book deal came before the pandemic. So um, an editor, heard me on another podcast. She didn't even hear me on my own podcast, which is so ironic, but um, reached out to me and said, you know, I think you have a message that in this day and age might resonate. So uh, you want to write a book. And this was in January of 2020. And I was like, yeah, this is like exactly what I want to do. (laughs) I've always, that's always been one of my two dreams. I have two dreams in life. One is to write a book and two is to run a really fast marathon. (laughs) (laughs) The second, the latter goal isn't doing so well. (laughs) Uh, The book, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And so the book is about the themes I talk about on my podcast. I go into a lot more depth. I break it down a lot more. Um, and it is outlined through the metaphor of an apple tree. And the reason (laughs) that that might probably sound strange, but the reason is, is because here in new England, apple picking is a big September activity and it's an incremental activity, right? So you're not going to get the ladder and like climb to the top and pick the apples way at the top and risk your life before you pick the ones at the bottom. And I feel like sustainable minimalism, it really benefits from the exact same strategy. So you're going to start slow or you're going to start low. You're going to do the attainable and easy steps first. You're going to pick the attainable and easy apples first. And one after another, one, after one feels good, you've tried it on for size, it has not just become easier but it has been completely and utterly incorporated into your life, you're gonna then pick another low-hanging fruit. And then only after, once those low-hanging fruits are picked, you'll maybe head to the middle of the tree and then that, the top of the tree. So I believe that sustainable minimalism, minimalism, excuse me, has to also be incremental in the same way you can't just shoot for the moon. And so the book really tries to make sustainability and minimalism attainable by first meeting you where you're at.
0: I think that's amazing because I feel like the sustainability movement and minimalism can be intimidating for a lot of people who aren't necessarily already involved in those movements. So to put it in such an attainable way is going to reach so many different people and make such a big difference.
1: Thank you. I hope so. Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> so when does the book come out and where can listeners get their hands on the new book?
1: The book comes out January 20th, 2021. I would suggest as a as a sustainable minimalist to check with your local library first. Maybe you can uh, <laughs> borrow it instead of purchase it. Um, but if you are just dying to buy it, you can buy
0: it uh, anywhere books are sold. Great. Well, I feel like as we start a new year, people can read your book, listen to your podcast, and learn how they can really start to implement minimalism into their life if they aren't already. So as we start 2021, people are going to start these new habits and resolutions that we always do in the new year. What is one easy way that you recommend for people to implement minimalism into their life as we start the new year?
1: Go into your bathroom. And I say bathroom because the bathroom is a very unemotional place, right? Like nobody's emotionally attached to their nail polish. So (laughs) go into your bathroom, open your medicine cabinet and just look and see like what is in here that you've been holding on to for years that is either expired or no longer fits with your lifestyle or doesn't make you look as fabulous as you thought it did. And then take that critical thinking to other aspects of your life. Maybe you go to your linen closet next, but it's all about just, um, it's, At the end of the day, it's about questioning the status quo. Like, what are you holding on to because you think you're supposed to versus what do you actually need to surround yourself with?
0: One step at a time or one apple at a time, like your book talks about. (laughs) Before we get to the last question, where can listeners find your podcast and follow along with you on social media? Thank you for asking that. My podcast is called The Sustainable Minimalist. It is
1: everywhere. You listen to podcasts, it's literally everywhere. (laughs) Um, And then on social media, I am on Instagram. I suppose that's where I'm most active uh, at Mommy Minimalist, M O M M Y, because Sustainable Minimalist was taken.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So, for the last question, I like to ask all my guests what they are hopeful about. But since we are starting a new year, I want to ask, what are you hopeful about for 2021?
1: I'm so hopeful for a new president. (laughs) Yes. I'm so hopeful that we're going to rejoin the Paris Agreement. Uh, We're going to get back on track in terms of everything related to sustainability from a federal level. and I'm hopeful that we can get back on track and for saving our planet and, you know, (laughs) moving forward with more sustainable initiatives and laws in place.
0: Yes. Well, here's to saving the planet in 2021 (laughs) and making a lot of progress. So thank you, Stephanie, for being here today and for sharing all about the amazing work that you are doing. I'm so excited to see where 2021 takes you.
1: Thank you. And same to you. I can't wait to continue listening to Hopefully Sustainable.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's guest or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at Hopefully Sustainable Pod. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.